Alright, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to get there in just a little bit. Uh, just to give you a brief summary of where we're going uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to look at how an event around 2,000 years ago should impact our lives today. So I think everybody in the room has decisions to make. One, you might be here and you don't know about Jesus. You don't know about the resurrection power of Christ. And maybe today God is calling you to follow him. And so you turn to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that's a group of us in the room. And then there's another group who have heard the Easter story numerous times. They've heard about the cross and the empty tomb. And today there is a prayer that Paul gives in Ephesians chapter 1. And he's asking you to know, for you and for me to know, the hope that we have in Christ, the inheritance that we have because of what Christ has done, but then also this immeasurable power that we have because of how Jesus was raised from the grave. Now, before you tune me out, and I was talking to Julianne about this, there's so many times in life where we don't feel very powerful. And if that's you, that's a good thing because you and I are not very powerful. But there is a God who has immeasurable amounts of power and He gives them to His people. And we see that when we look at Christ, His cross, and the empty tomb. And so that's what we're going to dig into. And now here's the other thing. It's a, a thing that the pastors deal with. Um, when I work with my dad and we cut grass, I know we can cut grass. Right? We have the power to get the mower off the trailer and cut the grass. I know that when we stop somewhere, we'll get it finished. The thing is with today, I can preach this message and I can read this message, but if God doesn't move, nothing will be done. This is something that only God does. And so I'm asking God to give you and to give me what Paul is praying for here. Namely, hope and inheritance and power. Alright? And so I want us to focus, I want us to ask God to do something only He can do, and then see how this Easter will have an impact for the rest of our lives. Are we ready? Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your people. Lord, I ask that You open up our hearts so that we may know the hope, the riches, and the power that we have in Christ. Father, I also pray for those in the room that do not know You, that You open up their eyes today that they can see the glory of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Alright, so I don't want to brush by the resurrection of Jesus. Do you guys remember last week we talked about how there were three crosses? And we tried to draw them up on the windows. There's a new appreciation for stained glass windows. You can barely see them. But what happened is one thief called on Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. Right? This guy understood that he was helpless. He was hopeless. He was a messed up dude, but he understood that Jesus could save him. And Jesus answers him, hey, today you will be with me in paradise. All right, that's where we're going to pick up the account. So in the Bible, there's four guys that wrote about Jesus. Does anybody know their names? DJ? Paul, Paul wrote about Jesus, right? That's what we're going to look at in Ephesians. What are the four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? These four guys give an account. Hey, this is who Jesus is. This is what He has done. And so we're going to look at what Luke has to say. So in Luke 24, he picks up after Jesus just said, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. It says from noon to three. So let's say this past Friday, from noon to three. You want to know what didn't happen? It wasn't complete darkness. But on this Friday, it was. It was complete darkness. And it says that the sun's light failed. 
the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, you're asking, like, who cares about a curtain, right? You look around the church, there aren't any curtains in this room. What's the deal with the curtain? Well, in this time, you approach God by going beyond the curtain, and only one guy would do it. His name was the high priest, and the high priest would only do it once a year. And he would go to make an atonement for the sin of the people. And so when Christ is dying on the cross, what he is doing is atoning for the sin of his people. So there's no need for a curtain separating God from his people. It's torn in two. It's done away with. That's what Jesus is doing on the cross. And then we see Jesus say to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathes his last. Then there was this good dude. His name was Joseph. He asked Pilate, hey, can I take the body of Jesus down and bury him before the Sabbath? So he takes Jesus down and he buries him and wraps it in a linen, puts it in a tomb, covers it with a stone. And there were several ladies that followed him. And then after he was buried, they went home to prepare spices and ointment because dead bodies start to stink. If you ever pass Roku, you know this. The longer the animal is on the road, the worse it begins to smell. So the ladies go home to put together spices and ointment, but the problem is it is now Saturday and you cannot do work on the Sabbath. And so they relax, they rest on the Sabbath, as was the command. But then Sunday comes, and at sunrise they're going to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. Have any of you guys ever gone to a sunrise service? I made it to one. It's early, right? Mom got me up, we go, and we were there before the sun came up, hence sunrise service. But the problem is, in this time, there are no lights, and so they had to wait for the sun to come up, and these ladies get to the tomb, and they are shocked and amazed. They get to the tomb, and the tomb stone is rolled away. They go in, and there is no body. And I love it. Angels are sent, messengers from God, to explain the situation. They said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is alive. You don't go to a cemetery to see him. You don't go to a tombstone, look at the inscription, because there's no body in the tomb. They say he is not here, but he has risen. Ladies rush home, tell the disciples. Peter runs to the tomb, finds the linen cloths wrapped up by themselves, and he is amazed. Jesus appears to the disciples, shows them his hands and his feet. They eat a meal together. He shows up to 500 people, and then he gives the mission to the disciples in the church, and then he ascends to heaven. It'd be like somebody talking to you, and all of a sudden they start floating up into the sky. And the people are shocked. They're amazed. And then they go and do the mission. Now, listen, I've got three daughters. I know a good fairy tale, right? Beauty and the Beast, awesome story, not real. Cinderella, all right, not real. Tangled, cool story, not real, right? This is not a fairy tale. And I know right now some of you have doubt in your hearts. And, and so there's a, there's a lot of work that's gone on. Um, books like I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist or... Uh, uh, faith uh, in Christ, and it explains the, the resurrection, and it gives details and evidences for a resurrection, like the 500 witnesses, like the disciples who were running for their lives before Jesus was crucified. Now they're running to share the gospel, laying their lives down. Well, what happened? The resurrection. People aren't going to lay their lives down for a life. And, and there's a lot of other evidence, but here's the deal. At the end of the day, you have to receive this by faith. This is something that God does. He opens up the eyes so that you can see the glory of Christ. 
we worship a risen king. This event in history is the game changer. It is the event in history. And so I'll give you a couple of examples of how events in history can impact your life. October 20th, 1990. Anybody know what happened there? Do I have any Reds fans in the house? <laughs> Two, three, four. All right. All right. So we're, we are ashamed of our Reds right now for a good reason. But in 1990, October 20th, I know the day the Reds swept the Oakland A's, who were a powerhouse team. And the Reds whooped them four games. That's all it took. And they were the World Series champs. Guys like Eric Davis and Billy Hatcher and Barry Larkin and the Nasty Boys, Chris Sabo with his cool goggles, right? This was a fun team to watch. Awesome event in history. Not a super big impact in my life. I go to a Reds game maybe once a year. That fact of 1990 doesn't do much for me today. As a matter of fact, it doesn't do anything for the Reds today. Their record's not very good. Doesn't look like we're making the playoffs again this year. I don't know when we're going to make it back to the World Series. We might be the new Cubs, right? I don't know how this is going to go. Event, cool event, not much impact. Did you know on October 20th, something else happened? Another event took place. Andrew, my brother, was born as Todd Benzinger was making the catch. Right? So I'm at home. We're watching the World Series. I'm celebrating. And then the phone call. Now, listen, they don't have cell phones. They had landlines and we had to pick up the phone. Some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. We picked up the phone. Great news from the hospital. Mom's healthy. It's a healthy baby boy. Now, that event had a huge impact on my life, right? As an eight-year-old, now i got two younger brothers. Now they can double-team me uh, in the years to come. It impacted my coaching career. The first team I've ever coached was Andrew's freshman basketball team, right? I learned through the fire with that team, right? Great group of guys. I had no idea what I was doing. Andrew reminded me that I had no idea what I was doing, right? And so it impacted my coaching career, but then it impacted ministry. I was a student pastor over in Florence. Uh, Andrew was in the high school group. He's one of the students. And now here in Covington, he's on staff. It affects how we do ministry at Redemption Church. One event in history, not big impact with the Reds. Another event, same day, same time, huge impact. Now, here's my question. Going back way, way, way back in the past, around 2,000 years, God came, he lived for 33 years, died on a cross, buried, rose from the grave. That event should impact your life today. Do not gloss over this like it's just another Easter event. This is real life, this is real history, and it has real significance today. So here's the question, how does the resurrection of Jesus impact your life today? All right, I want you to think about that. I want you to think, how does the resurrection of Christ impact your life today? Hey, because if this is true, this is the most significant thing in your life right now. You have someone that has the answer for the grave, and all of us are marching to the grave. We need somebody with a rescuer, and his name's Jesus. So how does the resurrection impact your life today? That's what I want us to, to ask, first off. All right. Secondly, we're going to look at what does Paul pray for us. All right, so here's the event, Luke chapter 24. Look at what Paul does in Ephesians chapter 1. So if you're there, flip over there. It's a couple more uh, pages to your right in the book of Ephesians. Paul is praying. This is the way he prays. Hey, and this is something that's awesome to pray for yourself, pray for your spouse, pray for your children. I've never prayed this for my girls until I started studying this passage. And now I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for our, our teams that I coach at home. This is something that's, that's awesome and, and powerful. Verse 17, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. And so what he is asking is that God give them wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge. This is something God has to do. God has to give it. You can't study hard. This isn't the ACT. This is something that God gives. And so we're going to ask him for this. And then here's the awesome part. God gives it. So if you want to see the glory of Christ, ask the Father to give you wisdom and knowledge. And then this is what Paul writes in the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters are all truth. Right? Here's some knowledge that you need to know. And then the last three chapters, four, five, and six, this is how you live it out. Here's wisdom. So here's some knowledge, right? Did you know that you're adopted in Christ? That's what Paul tells us in verse 5. That's knowledge. So God is my Father. That's awesome. Now, here's wisdom. When everything is going wrong in my life, I should know God is my Father, so who should I run to? I'll run to God. So when I lose my job or when this relationship is falling apart or this neighborhood is falling, i got to run to God because he is my father. My father is infinitely loving and caring and gracious and guiding and wise. He's going to help me. That's wisdom. And, and you just go on and on and on through this book. You have wisdom or knowledge such as you're redeemed through the blood of Christ. Did you know that you're created in Christ to do good works, that he's created beforehand? Did you know that God has a purpose for your life? Right? That's knowledge. All right, so God created me to do certain things for his glory. Wisdom is actually doing them. And then the end of the book says, hey, here's some wisdom. This is how you are to walk in Christ, personal holiness. What does it mean to walk with Jesus? Have you ever asked that question? Ephesians chapter 4 explains that. This is what it looks like. Because this is who you are in Christ, this is how you should live. Then in Ephesians chapter 5, you have wisdom for marriage. In Ephesians chapter 6, you have wisdom for parenting. And listen, I need all the wisdom I can get there. right? As soon as I think i got it figured out, there's something else that pops up. The girls get to a different age, and I need to know something else. But the Bible offers you wisdom in that field. There's wisdom for work. There's wisdom for spiritual battles. All of it is in here. And so what Paul is saying is, hey, I pray to the church of Ephesus and to us, I pray for wisdom and knowledge that you know who you are in Christ, and that you walk wisely. And then he goes on to say, hey, in verse 18, that the eyes of your heart be enlightened so that you may know. Paul makes it very, very specific here. Your eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may know. Now, real quick, this knowing here is experiential knowledge, right? So it's, it's not just knowing the facts. Right? I'll tell you right now, Satan knows the facts of the resurrection. Here is the point. I'll use Twix as the example. All right, I'll use Twix as the example. There's things that I know about Twix. All right, I know that there's chocolate, caramel, and some type of bar. All right, I know that it's up here. Now, Cam, did you eat this yet? Who knows... Who knows how this tastes better, me or Camden? Camden does, right? She's experiencing it. She knows what the chocolate and caramel in the, the bar in there tastes like. Like she's living it out. Now, here's the point. Don't miss the point. The point is, Paul is about to pray and ask for three things. He's asking for hope. He's asking for riches. And he's asking for power and that you know all three of those. 
And it's not this pie in the sky type of power and hope and riches. It is that you know that you experience this on the daily life. And he says the reason why we have hope and riches and power is because of what Jesus did on the cross. This is what Easter is about. This is why we are celebrating an empty tomb. So I want us to know this just like Camden knows what a Twix tastes like because she's tasting it. I want us to experience this. I want us to know this. All right? So let's dig in. Number one, know the hope that you have in Christ. This is verse 18. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called. That hope is unshakable. And later on in the Bible, in Colossians uh, 1.27, it says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, when you get to an empty tomb, that offers you hope. I've never, ever done a funeral where the guy or the lady sits up in the casket. That's never, ever been my story. However, there is a hope beyond the grave for those who belong to Christ. What is that hope? That the same God who raised Jesus from the grave will one day raise our bodies from the grave. You know how Jesus told the thief on the cross who didn't have any hope, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise? What did that guy get? Hope. Hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yes, you're in pain right now and life is leaving your body, but there won't be a second where you won't have me. That is hope. That's hope that can't be touched. It's not this pie in the sky type of hope. I hope for a better day. I hope that this is true. I hope that this team will win. This hope is rooted in the reality that Jesus went to the grave and he defeated death. That is our hope. That's what Easter is all about. And so I want to live in light of that. There is no such thing as a hopeless day for those who believe. Our worst day here, like the thief on the cross, is still abounding in hope at what is to come. Hope. But then, he also asks for something else, that we understand the riches of our inheritance. Verse 18, we keep reading, Having eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, he explains that in chapter 2. If you would, just skip on over. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 4 and 7, 4 through 7. This is talking about our inheritance. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That's talking about the hope. Right, You were dead, that's hopeless, but now you're alive in Christ, that's hope. Check out the inheritance. This is what God has done. This is already true of the believer. He has raised us up with Jesus and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You cannot measure the riches that we have in Christ. Seated in the heavenly places. That is an inheritance. You, you know, um, I'm looking and I was thinking about this. I want to be careful, right? Because as a father, I want to make sure I'm providing for my family, that I'm leaving something for my children. But I, the best thing I've got right now is my truck. All right? It's a cool truck. It runs most of the time. 
Sometimes it goes fast and doesn't shake. But here's my problem. I've got three girls, and they're all going to be jealous for this truck. All right? So when I go, I'm not sure who I'm going to leave the truck for. One of them will have a great inheritance. Or they might sell it and split the proceeds. They might go out and get a Chick-fil-A lunch with all the money that they'll get from my truck. Right? But I was thinking, I'm like, ah, oh, that's, that's not a great inheritance. Even if I could leave them a million dollars in a hundred years, that's not a great inheritance. But then I read something like this, raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places, so that in the coming ages, eternity, he's going to show me the immeasurable riches of the grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So this is what he's saying. Hey, you can't measure this. You're always going to be something, seeing something greater that Christ has done for you. So I had a, a picture of an iceberg. Right? Now listen, I've never ran into an iceberg, but the iceberg, the ice on top, is nothing compared to the ice below. And so when we look at the cross and we look at the grace that God has given and we look at what is to come, like we're just touching a little tip of what God has for us. And one day we're going to see how much more immeasurable greatness of the riches he's given us. Or, to put it this way, uh, there's some things in North America that I haven't got to. Right? I just made it to Red River Gorge last year. Um, this is the Grand Canyon. How many of you guys have been to the Grand Canyon? Right? A few. How many of you guys have made it to Hawaii? A few more. Niagara Falls? All right. A couple guys made the trip. And then down here, uh, you have uh, Old Faithful. You have the Pacific Ocean. I was getting desperate. I've never made it to California or Oregon or Seattle in Washington. Uh, this is Alaska. I've never made it there. Probably not going to go there. Right, but Alaska, and then Yosemite. Now listen, I watched a documentary about guys climbing this. This is called El Capitan. Uh, there's a couple things keeping me from that, uh, my weight and my strength. Um, other than that, I think that would be awesome to experience. But, but this is just North America. Like there's so much more to figure out and to explore and to see and to give. This is God's glorious creation, and I can't even get to North America let alone Australia or India and China where there's one billion people in India and one billion people in China, and I haven't made it there. Like, I could spend lifetimes trying to see all that God created, and what I'm trying to say is the inheritance that we have is way more than any of this. This is just creation. Think about when we get to see the Creator. For all eternity, we will be learning more about the riches that we have in Christ. That's an inheritance. So, don't seek wealth and riches in this world. So they don't last. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where thieves and rust do not destroy and break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right? We have an inheritance. But then, finally, and this is the, the main point that I want us to get to, you have power. Verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And, and so this is going back up to verse 18, having your eyes of your heart enlightened. And so you may know, do you know this immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Right? Is this a power that characterizes your life? And, and so I, I want us to see um, what type of power is this? What type of power are we talking about? Listen to the words Paul uses to describe this. Like he runs out of synonyms here. He goes, immeasurable. So, so there is no max when it comes to the power of God. Right? He's off the charts. That's immeasurable. Greatness. 
And then you see in verse 20 that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead with his great might. That's the type of power that Paul is saying, hey, I hope you know this. I hope you know this. And then he goes into more detail in explaining this type of power. He says, according to. So now this is where Easter comes into play. This is where the resurrection of Jesus comes into play. So, hey, this power that I want you to know, that I want you to experience like a kid eating candy, this type of power, it's according to. It is like the same power that I used. Verse 19. Working of His great might that He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead. That's powerful. When you're not breathing and you're buried and God raises you from the grave, that is power. Then, He's not finished. Not just power to raise Jesus from the dead, but to seat Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. That is not a position. That is a position of authority. Not just location, it's authority. There is nobody above Jesus. And then he keeps going, just in case we didn't catch that. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. That's going back to the immeasurable greatness towards those who believe. That's the power that the church has. The church is people who belong to Christ who have died to themselves, who live for Jesus. That's the type of power God is saying, hey, I want you to know that you have this. Did you catch all of that? The same power that raised Jesus from the grave, that seated Him at the right hand, that has placed Him over every rule and authority and dominion and every name. That's who we worship, and it's that same power in us. That is powerful. So I saw this movie. Um, I didn't see the movie. I saw the trailer. Uh, Shazam. Have any of you guys made it out to see Shazam yet? Yay or nay? It's all right? Pretty good? All right. It's a <laughs> all right. So this is the superhero, right? And what happens, the title is Shazam. Um, he turns into a superhero, and at this point, he looks surprised. And this is why he looks surprised. He's in this store. Um, he's uh, taking on two armed robbers, and one of the guys shoots him. And at this point, he doesn't know what his superpowers are. Right, And the, the kid he's running with um, is asking, hey, what are your superpowers? Can you fly? And you can see him. He tries to fly. He falls. But it turns out, yes, he can fly. He's like, well, are you super fast? Well, it turns out, yes, he can run super fast. And then this is how he finds out. The guy shoots him, and the bullets hit his chest and drop to the floor. Why? Because he's bulletproof. And they're like, this is awesome. You have bullet immunity. He's like, yes, I'm bulletproof. Right? And that's just in the, the preview. I thought, hey, that's sometimes how believers live. I don't think we understand the power that is offered to us because of what Christ has done at the cross. So go back to the conversation I had with Julianne. Julianne's like, I don't feel super powerful. And, and I think sometimes it's because we, um, we think of power in the wrong ways. Let me give you a couple of examples of power. Julianne used this example. Um, she goes, but I do think there's a power in not having anxiety over our girls and how they're growing up and all of their situations. And she goes, I think God's given me power not to worry about that, but to trust Him. That's something only God can do. That's powerful. If you're a parent, and you're able not to be consumed with worry, God is doing a powerful work in your heart. Another example. There was this missionary couple uh, moved, I believe it was to Honduras, it was South America, and uh, 
this guy's reaching. It's, he's, they're called the Aka Indian tribe. This was in the 1950s. Uh, Jim Elliott is his name. And he's trying to reach across culture gaps. They don't speak the same language. Um, and they were threatened by uh, Jim Elliott and this group coming to share the gospel. They didn't know what they want. And as a matter of fact, this tribe killed Jim Elliott and four of the missionaries with him. It is power that the wife stayed and reached the group and baptized the man who killed her husband. That's power. That is, that's something only God can do. A couple other examples of power. If you can forgive your enemy, that is power that God has given you. If you can care for the needy and the outcast and you run to them sacrificing yourself, that is power that God has given you. If you can endure suffering with joy, that is power that God has given you. If you can speak about Jesus with boldness, that is power that God has given you. If you go wherever God calls you without asking, without slowing down your feet, but you are going, this is where God's called, that's power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand is the same power in us. So, don't be like the dude on Shazam who doesn't know his powers. That's the power you have. Walk in that truth. Hope, riches, and power are yours because of what Christ did 2,000 years ago. That impacts your life and my life today. And it will have an impact for all in eternity. So, this is what I want to leave you with. You have two decisions. And listen, with everybody in the room, I don't know everybody's spiritual condition. I don't know your heart. I don't know your affections for Jesus. I don't know if you know Jesus. This is my plea to you. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you've never called on Him to save you of your sin that separated you from the Father, the cross shows you that He loves you. The empty tomb shows you that there's a way available, and it's through Christ. Call on Him, and you will be saved. And then there's another group in here that this is maybe your 20th, 30th, 40th, 50th Easter. But you had no idea about the hope and riches and power you have in Christ. This is what I want you to do. I want you to pray and ask God that you know that. That that's an experience that you know. You experience the hope that Christ has given you every day of your life for the rest of your days here on earth. That you experience the riches that are yours in the day that is coming. And that you experience the power that Christ has promised to his people. Because the same power that was in him is in us. All right, let's pray. As I pray, I want you guys to pray. And then we'll close in a song. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. Lord, that he was willing to lay his life down and that you rose him from the grave. And so, Father, I pray that if anyone is here that doesn't know you, I pray that today you open up the eyes of their heart that they see the glory that is your son, Jesus Christ. Pray that they turn from their sin and turn to you. And then I pray for the believers in the room. I pray that you pour out the hope that only you can give. Pray that they understand the riches of their inheritance that Christ purchased on the cross. And I pray that they walk in power. A power that is immeasurably great. Father, I pray that you are glorified and how we live our lives until we meet you in the air or we meet you through the grave. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.